This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys, and I'm here today with Pastor Kyle Eidelman at Southeast Christian Church. He's an author, and, and Kyle, you have, you have, if I'm not mistaken, the fifth biggest church in America. Is that true? You know, it's somewhere around there. <laughs> we try not to uh, get too caught up in it, but yeah, it's uh, it's a big, it's a big church. Well, okay. So, the, and the reason I ask that is because I'm I'm always fascinated by, and I have a million things to ask you, but I'm fascinated by large churches. How many members do you guys have? You know, we follow our attendance. Uh, a little more closely, because we probably have maybe 45,000 members or something like that, but the attendance is what we um, kind of pay attention to, and it's around 24,000 a weekend or so. That's it? Only only 24,000? <laughs> that's insane. Um, yeah, it's like a small town, for sure. Wow, wow, that's that's crazy. And is that, now, have you seen the church growing in recent years? Because obviously there's been... You know, with the Pew study, which I think was widely overblown in a, in a lot of ways, this fear about Christianity dying and all of that. What what has your experience been in terms of of the size of at least people attending? Uh, yeah, you know, we have we have been growing. I'd say in the last ten years, we've grown from about sixteen thousand to about twenty four thousand. And the way we've seen growth is not by having more and more people come to. Uh, our primary building. Instead, we have started uh, multiple satellite campuses. So we've brought the church to them, and that's been uh, a really effective way to um, to connect with our community a little bit more purposely. No, that's great. That's great. And it would have been incredibly awkward if things were declining. So I'm sorry, but I, I love to ask that <laughs> question because I think you know, my experience is that most mega churches um, and and most you know large churches tend to be growing. They don't have the problem that a lot of the smaller churches are having. And so, anyway, let's let's get into the real reason we're talking today, which is your book, The End of Me. And I wanted to ask you first and foremost, you know, what what does it mean to come to the end of oneself? I'm just gonna throw it out there. We'll get philosophical. What does that mean? Well, the Bible talks about um, that our real life is hidden uh, in Christ. And specifically, uh, in Colossians 3, Paul talks about that when we die to ourselves, that's when we find that life. And Jesus echoed the same words in, uh, in Luke 9. You know, if anyone would come after me, must deny himself, take up a cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, whoever loses his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel, we'll find it. And so, um, and so the idea is that we oftentimes are getting in our own way when it comes to living the life that God has called us to live. There's certainly this strong focus um, on making ourselves the center of our world. You know, you, there's plenty written out there about the narcissistic tendencies of our culture and, and how that's grown, even in religious circles. Um, oftentimes the sermons or the books tend to put, um, you know, ourselves at the center, that the message is about us. And in reality, the, the Bible teaches that the, the way to really find the life in Christ um, that's described in Scripture, it's not by making much of ourselves, but by coming to the end of ourselves. 
and um, and that's that's the premise of the book. That's great. No, and I think it's true. I mean, there's not a lot of discussion. We we all want sort of the self help way of looking at everything. It's all about us. How can we make our lives the best? How can we get what we want? And and sometimes those elements are good to try to figure figure out, but that's not the main focus of of the Bible or of Christianity. And so it's sort of it's sort of interesting the subject matter that you've chosen to to tackle. Now, another really loaded question, but I think one that now more than ever is extremely important considering what we have going on in culture, in society, but what what does a real relationship with Jesus look like? What does that consist of? Well, you know, the I think the best way to really understand it is to look at the word uh, know that Jesus uses in Matthew 7. Uh, he talks about um, the difference between knowing about and knowing. And the word know used in Scripture there, to know God, is, is a word uh, that conveys intimacy. It's uh, used also in the context of marriage between a husband and a wife. And and so sometimes our tendency is to define the relationship with Jesus by, well, I'm just going to do what he says that I'm supposed to do. But, um, you know, that really is only uh, a very surface level uh, perspective on it. For example, if I if I define my relationship with my wife and just said, well, I'm going to do what she tells me to do, you know, that that's, um, you know, there's part of that that might make that relationship okay, but that's not going to be nearly as fulfilling and satisfying as knowing and being known more fully. So like any relationship, um, you can define it uh, with, with some words, but ultimately there's certainly an experiential side to it. And, um, and I think that's echoed throughout the Gospels and how Jesus um, built a relationship with his followers, that he shared life with them, and um, the idea of following him as a way of life rather than Here's a set of rules and guidelines that I follow. Uh, so it's it's a it's a knowing that has um, a lot of uh, intimacy attached to it. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, it's easy to get caught up in rules and regulations, and it's easy to also sort of place our own viewpoints over you know our our own thoughts on things, sort of infuse them into what that relationship should look like. And and I think you made some very important points there, but. Let me ask you about your about your own faith journey because I'm fascinated by your background and and just sort of the the rise that you've had in in the Christian community. What when did you come to faith? What's sort of your faith background? I grew up in a Christian home and uh, had parents who had a genuine relationship with God and uh, taught me a lot about that. But I also kind of took away from that. It's probably had more to do with me than with them. Uh, but I, I took away a more um, oh structured religious the rule following approach to my faith, and so if you would have asked me as a kid growing up, you know, are are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus? I would have said yes, but the reasons I would have given would have been, um, you know, here's what I know, here are the whatever Bible verses I've memorized, here are how many times I've uh, attended church. It, it tended to be. Um, based on me and what I had done here, my accomplishments, um, and and so as I grew older, um, I discovered that you know that's not really what it means to follow Jesus. That it was uh, has a lot more to do with surrender and has a lot more to do with repentance. And um, and so the journey that God has had me on 
um, has been one of discovering um, the type of relationship that he's looking for is, um, is is much different than maybe I understood growing up, and um, and and just learning to authentically and uh, hopefully uh, humbly follow after him. What has been the thing when you sort of think through your life and your ministry? Uh, that has surprised you the most, maybe just, and I don't want to leave the question at all, but maybe about God, maybe about faith in general. Has there been anything just like as you've, as you've gone through where you look back and you're like, gosh, that actually surprises me. There, that just makes maybe takes you back a little bit. You know, the thing I suppose that surprises me the most, or maybe it surprises me, but it took so long to learn, is um, what is sometimes described as the in-you-through-you uh, side of ministries. You know, that what God does in you, he does through you. And, and that's true for this book, uh, The End of Me. You know, I it, it's, it's a much more personal journey than I ever would have imagined sharing with a lot of other people. But what I've discovered is that what God does in me, he wants to do through me. And there are times in ministry where I'm wanting him to do things through me, but I'm not letting him do things in me. And that doesn't tend to be nearly, of, um, nearly as effective of a message. And um, and so I, I guess I'm surprised to, to learn that um, really what allows uh, allows us to be most effective is um, is that whatever we're wanting God to do through us that we we've got to make sure it's happening in us first, and uh, that took me a while to figure out. Yeah, that's that's actually interesting, and it and it also sort of raises questions about. I mean, every Christian struggles, and every Christian has you know, things that they have to sort of work through. But it raises questions about the work that some people are doing when they're not right with themselves and with God. Right. Um, so that that is that is sort of fascinating. What for you is the? You know, I go ahead, go ahead. I was just say one of the the chapters I write about. There's kind of a personal chapter for me was um, uh, that. You know, coming to the end of myself means that I accept these weaknesses in my life instead of trying to hide them. And, you know, culturally, social media side of things, we have a tendency to want to accentuate all the positive things, you know, about our life. And then we try to disguise the things that would be considered more weakness. And and I've learned uh, just how true it is that if I can embrace my weakness instead of running away from it or being in denial of it, that that makes room for God's strength in my life. And the Apostle Paul talks about it as, you know, that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. But really what, what's happening is um, my weakness allows space for God's power to be demonstrated so that, you know, to the extent with, with, in which I am weak, he can be strong. And, and that's been, um, you know, a great... Uh, stress reliever for me that, you know, all these areas where I might feel inadequate or where I might have failure in my life, that instead of being overwhelmed by those things or feeling pressure or anxiety over those things, that those are also the invitation uh, for God's power to um, to be made known. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And when you when you look through all of all of the different things that people say and do and how they exercise their faith and I would imagine with the tens of thousands of members that you have you have a chance to really walk with a lot of people through their faith and 
what what do you think on the whole are some of the things that people get wrong about Jesus? Um, you know, we tend to, uh, I, I don't know if it's changed that much since the first century, you know, when Jesus walked the earth, the, um, the religious leaders had spent their whole life studying the Old Testament scriptures, and they had 300-plus prophecies of the Messiah memorized. And yet when Jesus walked among them, they didn't know who he was. You know, it, it, um, they were looking for something other than uh, who he was because of all these preconceptions that they brought to the table. And I, I think all of us have those, um, and so, you know, it can be different for different ones of us, but learning to look at the Gospels as objectively as possible, where we kind of step back and, um, and read the stories in, in, um, in a new way, they're pretty, pretty clear about who Jesus is and what he stood for. So, for example, um, you know, when Jesus came on the scene, very first sermon recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus was a sermon on the mount, which he preached in the mountains above the Sea of Galilee. And what's interesting about that is that's where revolutionaries would typically hide out. Um, and so when Jesus preaches from the mountains, he's making a statement uh, that, hey, I'm coming to, you know, usher in a different kind of kingdom. And he's introducing to us a completely different way of thinking. And, um, and, and so... So try to think of Jesus as a revolutionary. So he's he's someone who wants to come into our life and not just fit how um, how maybe we thought of him or how uh, we might feel most comfortable with him. That uh, he wants to turn some things upside down, and um, and really that's what you see throughout the gospel. So you know, as an example, he might um, you know at the dinner of Simon the Pharisee's house in Luke seven, he criticizes the spiritual leader. And he commends the the prostitutes. You know, he's always kind of giving us a different set of lens um, through which to see our world. And um, and so I love that. I mean, I love the fact that um, you know I'm always learning or seeing something new uh, about him. But a lot of that is just because I've come to the table um, with with some pretty you know strong preconceptions. Well, listen, this has been great, and I want to—I don't want to eat any more of your time, but I want to have you back again really soon, and we're going to make sure we link out in our story to the end of me, make sure people get a chance to um, get some more information on that, and anything else you'd want to add that maybe we haven't gotten a chance to, to talk about? Well, you know, I just would say that, um, you know, the end of me is, um, you know, it's not a message that we're naturally drawn to, because we... You know, we're much more concerned about advancing me or promoting me rather than ending me. Um, but, I, you know, the book is really about putting some of the teachings of Jesus to the test. And, and they're counterintuitive and they're, counter, and they're countercultural. But what if, you know, he's right about a lot of these things and maybe we've got some things wrong? Um, and so, you know, it's just a surprising... Um, truth that instead of making me most important um, when when I put myself off center and I put him at the center I discover what I was really wanting all along this deep uh, personal fulfillment but it's a journey and I, I would love for your listeners for your readers um, to check it out
church boys.